Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Welcome to Conversations. This is Karen Conley in a studio, per se, with Chris Conley. And we are here to do a follow-up to the message, um, part two of Priority Time, Addicted to God's Word. And this message that I taught was really on the how of a priority time. So I really encourage you, if you haven't listened to the message, this conversation will make a whole lot more sense with that context to check it out. But Chris, you know, because this is your heartbeat as well. The how of a priority time is really kind of the nuts and bolts. So set us up as we um, begin this conversation so that we can be hopefully add a little bit of additional information and context and, and texture so that as people are maybe walking into this for the first time um, and just to understand things at a level that will make this so easy and encouraging to them. Yeah, so <clears throat> throughout your experience as a Christ follower, you know, if you've been someone that's uh, spent any significant time in church, the most common thing is for someone to say, read the Bible, you know, when you're talking about like, okay, you know, how do I grow in Christ? Well, you renew your mind and well, how do I renew my mind? I read the Bible. But for some reason, a lot of times we tell people what to do, but we almost never tell them how to do it. And a lot of people are very intimidated about how to read the Bible. And so what you did in this message was so helpful because you literally just took a passage of scripture and you walked people through this process and in, in that you, you referred to like four ingredients, like, you know, um, anytime we're putting a meal together, that meal is comprised of all the different ingredients. And so the four ingredients of a priority time are focused thinking, personal application, interactive prayer, and life journaling. So give us a little bit additional context to focus thinking in the sense that it really, the, the, the Bible tells us time and time again to meditate upon God's word. And, and sometimes that can be an intimidating word. Well, I think the thing that I would love to add to um, what was brought in the message, obviously, you know, time constraints always keep you from saying everything and then, you know, you, it's the Monday morning quarterback. But a couple of things that I wanted to emphasize was really in this whole idea of focused thinking that there are different types of writings throughout the Bible. And so, you know, if you are in something that's a narrative, that's a story, or if you're in a letter, or if you're in a um, the, the section of poetry, it's going to impact how you um, do the focused thinking. So, for example, if you're in the book of Exodus and it's going through a story, you know, when I did the example on Sunday, um, I took three verses and, and it took... 
you know, the amount of time that you have set aside in a priority time, by the time you've added the other ingredients in, your focused thinking is going to be on a limited number of verses. But if you're in a book, a book of the Bible that um, really is a narrative, you might have to read the entire story. You know, maybe it is the chapter, or maybe it's a half a chapter or something like that. So in that, I would just say, just let that help you understand that, you know, if you're in a psalm, you might be able to take two or three verses. If you're in one of the gospels, you can sometimes take two or three verses. But what I will generally do, if it's, um, you know, some type of narrative, I'll read it through. Okay, this was the account of the woman at the well. I would read it all the way through once. And then that particular morning, I might start and and really do the focus thinking on those first couple of verses there. And then the next day I go to the next few until I've made my way all the way through that passage. So that was something that I don't, it's pretty nuanced. It really um, makes sense once you've done it that, oh, well, sometimes I need to know where this thing goes before I can just narrow in on this specific verse just to have the context. But then again, back to that idea of the goal is not to get through a chapter. The goal is to hear from the Lord. So get enough context, but then just go go back and break it down into smaller pieces once you've got that context. Well, and that's so helpful because if we use the example of the woman at the well, um, I'm not looking at it right now, but my memory tells me that it's a pretty long narrative. I mean, it may be like 38 verses or something of that nature. And, And so, like you said, to read it through once to kind of get the to, to, you know, totality of the story but then um, to not feel like success is defined by reading a chapter a day or, you know, by just um, kind of knocking out story after story, but rather give yourself permission to slow down. And, and I think um, we live in such a busy, fast-paced world, and our lifestyles tend to match that that we have a hard time comprehending just how okay it is to go slow in your priority time and how much you really can get from the word of God in a paragraph. And so more times than not, you know, um, I truly do. I kind of treat it like a paragraph at a time. And sure, I can tell sometimes that if I need that second paragraph to get a little bit more context, a little bit more understanding, but I just know this. I know I'm not capable of obeying 10 truths at once. And so that's why it is so important to break this down in that devotional way where you're not overwhelmed, but you do take time to grab one major truth and then go through the application process. So we've talked about focus thinking, but the next part of that is also personal application. One of the things that you mentioned briefly that I would like for you to elaborate upon is that there's this train of thought that for every minute that you're reading, you should probably spend three minutes thinking. Well, I love it because I thought originally it was one minute for one minute, and now it's one minute for three minutes. So I think you guys get the point that um, we are so quick, again, just like you said, to try to get through the material um, rather than to say, I really want my heart transformed. And so in that way, 
when we think about the personal application, you know, the first part is know what the word says. That's the focus thinking, not what you wish it would say, not what you want it to say, but what does it actually say? Um, because it's easy to start reading a verse and just immediate apply, immediately apply it to your life and go, oh, that must be God saying this to me. Well, you you need to make sure that you actually have read enough of it to know the context and to know those things. But then when it comes to the personal application, I mean, I guess for some people you could look at it and go, oh gosh, I don't, you know, I don't want to see all my faults or my flaws or, or, you know, but honestly, I take the opposite approach. I'm like, God, I want to be more like you. I, you have to show me the things I need to work on. What is it that I need to start doing? What is it that I need to stop doing? And really for me to not just take it at a generic level, but to take it at a, at a specific level, that takes some time. And so that's where those three minutes come from of don't be in a rush, but if you really are in a relationship and you really are talking to the one person who understands you and wants what's best for you, then to be able to just say, okay, God, help me to see what I need to see here and allow yourself to just kind of enter into that time of, of going back to interactive prayer. And as he brings something to your mind, then you might jot that down of, ooh, here's a place that I need to apply that. Yes, I, I see that I've done that in this particular case and in this relationship. Okay, God, what do you want me to do to restore that? You know, just those kinds of things. Well, and, and as you go back and forth between focused thinking and personal application, so, you know, reading, there's a certain just dynamic to the process of reading that, that yes, you know, you're, you're going through the mechanics of reading it. Uh, you're seeing what words kind of jump out at you. You're seeing, you know, kind of what the, the sentence structure is, you know, what's the, the flow of kind of the main point here, the sub point, those kind of things. And I would encourage you, write in your Bibles, you know, circle things, underline things. You know, you can always buy more Bibles. That's, that's not, not an issue. But... To think is a much more, um, you know, it, it's a longer process than just reading. And, and so one of the things you talked about was, is that we ask these journalistic questions in focus thinking to discover the truth. But then you said we also ask the journalistic questions in personal application to apply the truth. So give us a little bit more of an example of how those same questions, how they transition to a application focus, you know, when, when you start asking some of those questions, it kind of, cause sometimes it can be a little bit like, no, wait a second. I thought she said that for this, but it also applies to this connect the dots. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, again, the journalistic questions are just the who, what, when, where, why, and so what, you know, why, why is this here? And so in those, yes, we've asked some of those questions. And again, not every question um, is applicable to every passage. You know, you might be reading a passage that's about, you know, a disciple traveling from this city to that city, or um, Paul writing a letter to a specific group of people. And so when you're talking about the who or the where in those two examples, there's a lot of information. Oh, wow, he's talking to believers. Oh, no, this letter is written to, you know, people in conflict, you know, oh, so 
you can, the who is very important for you to have context. Was that written to people who are um, followers of Christ or not? Um, the where they are, oh, wow, this is in Samaria. And again, some of these things, um, the longer that you walk with the Lord and you're in church and you're under teaching, you might go, okay, I know something about Samaria. You also might not know anything about Samaria. And one of the things that I really didn't have time to clarify, I, I tried to allude to, but didn't spend a lot of time on is studying your Bible is a great thing to do. The only reason in a priority time we really try to caution from too much study time is just because it, it's easy to go on a rabbit chase and to, you know, oh, I'm going to look up Samaria and then I'm going to write down a whole bunch of notes about Samaria. And all of a sudden it's been a great exercise and you know more, but you have now, you know, now it's time to go and you, you never transition to that personal application. So things like that, I'll like jot a note in my um, journal. And so I might have two or three things that I'm like, I want to go back later and check that out. Out. And so I just say in the try to keep the primary focus relational and the secondary need of study, just maybe set aside a separate time to do that. Or once you get done with your priority time, say, okay, tonight I'm going to go back and I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a search on that kind of thing. So I think it's just our tendency is to be so academic in the Western culture that we're just trying to guard against all the pulling out all of the resources that are valuable in a study time, but missing what God wants to say to you because of that. Yeah. I actually encourage people for the Bible that you're going to use for your priority time to use a Bible that is not a study Bible that doesn't have all the notes on each page. Um, have a study Bible, uh, have it available. Um, and there may be, there's occasionally those times you're like, oh, wait, you know, God's really saying something here, but I need the context of this in order to really figure it out. And so, sure, open up your study Bible, you know, and, and, and go see if there's an immediate kind of obvious kind of connection answer. If it takes you too long, then, yeah, go back to another time. But I really do think it's so important to remove as many distractions as possible so that here's the thing. Um, I believe this is a Dr. Rogers quote. It says, um, don't worry about what you don't understand. Just start obeying what you do understand. And before long, you'll be understanding what you didn't understand. And, and so I, I think, you know, there's this uh, misnomer that like the Bible's mysterious, you know, and, and it's hard to figure out. And like the truths are hidden. No, the truths aren't hidden. Um, if a truth is hidden to us, it's just because there's a historical gap, you know, that history has changed a lot in 2000 years, or there's a culture gap, you know, that here in American context, uh, you know, we're not walking with sheep in the fields. Okay. So, um, oftentimes it's just trying to find what is that, that timeless truth that was present then and there. And then how do we see how that timeless truth is present here and now. And so like an example of that, you know, the, the Bible says time and time again, greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, what's the timeless truth? It's greet one another. The holy kiss is just a method. So could the method be shaking hands? Sure. Could the method be give one another a hug? Sure. You know, but 
we that's what we're trying to kind of strip away and go sometimes that culture sometimes that historical context man it's the key to unlocking that truth but most of the time the truth is pretty obvious and we just need to take that obvious truth and then go okay what does this look like in my life yeah as long as you have the, the bare bones of the truth, and you've got God's word, that's what you're applying to your life. If you want to, if you're going to make an error, <laughs> error on the side of taking that truth. Now that's, that's a prerequisite. It has to be truth. This is not eliminate focus thinking by any stretch without that. This is just self-help and that is worthless. But if you, you know, if you, if you have to decide, I've got five minutes, should I spend more time in focus thinking or personal application? Most of our tendencies is going to just be to hang out in the focus thinking because it's more comfortable and not to apply it to ourselves. So just guard yourself from that. So as we kind of wrap up this conversation, We've talked about focused thinking and personal application. On personal application, dive into the importance of being specific instead of generic. Mm. Yes. So this, again, is just, I think, human nature is that we, you know, we don't like thinking of the things that we need to fix or we need, and actually we can't, we need God to fix in us. Um, but if you're just, yeah, God, forgive me for a bad attitude, you know, or forgive me for being selfish or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, or wow, I really do want to, um, serve like Paul did, or I really want to, you know, if there's a, a quality that you see in Jesus or Joseph or whoever, Moses or those kinds of things, you got to stop long enough to go, okay, where can I, where in my life right now do I, um, am I being selfish? Get specific. Oh, I'm being, I'm being selfish in my, in my marriage. Um, okay. Well now that's a whole different application than, you know, dear Lord, please help me be less selfish. No, I, as I started digging and the Lord revealed, wait, you were selfish to Chris yesterday. Well, now I'm going to actually do something that's going to require humility for me to go to you and say, hey, you know what, today as I was in my priority time, you know what the Lord revealed to me? I really was a jerk yesterday and I was really being selfish in that. And I didn't see it at the moment, but today the Lord showed me that. And so I just want to ask you to forgive me. Like that, that's that's walking it out. If I just stay generic of, yeah, I've had a bad attitude or I need to be more loving or whatever, start asking the question that's going to help get to the place where, no, where specifically do I need to apply this? What does that look like? Um, and you said this at the beginning, there's not, we can't obey 10 truths. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things that I actually need to get better at is going back and reviewing my priority time notes because it's amazing how much the Lord does speak, but we have to then act on those things. And so even, you know, one of the things that I have been inconsistent at, but it's like, okay, we've talked about giving a day a week to the Lord through the Sabbath and then give your morning to him in that um, priority time. 
you know, what if on your Sabbath in that extended time, you went back and reviewed, what is it that God encouraged me with this week? What truth just lit me up and encouraged me? Okay, what action steps did I need to take to, to obey what God was revealing? So that if you, if I haven't gone back and addressed what the Lord showed me, if, if that was what were to happen in my priority time, I, God still spoke it. You know, you say all the time, delayed obedience is disobedience. And so for us just to be so specific in our personal application that we know what the next thing is we need to do. Well, and what's so important about that, and I love the concept of what you just said about kind of reviewing on the Sabbath, is that most application is very time sensitive. And so, you know, if if we're not taking that application to heart that day, if we're not finding some expression of obedience, you know, in an immediate kind of way, um, then we lose it. And 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 it it wasn't really God didn't teach it to you just to you know learn something new. And 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 yes, there's a sense where of course it's good to kind of store things in our mind and our heart and and to be ready for opportunity to obey. Um, but more times than not, I really see that our personal application has a very time sensitive quality to it in that there's something that you need to obey kind of right now, so to speak. And then as you begin the process of obeying that, uh, I think things tend to unfold in such a way that there's more opportunities to obey. Somebody I know that I love a lot who's sitting across the table from me, um, I have heard you say so many times, you know, um, and this may be a Henry Blackaby concept, you'll have to tell me, but it's that whole idea of people saying like, I just, I don't hear God speak. He doesn't speak to me. I'm not hearing anything. And the thought was go back and obey the last thing that God told you to do, because why would he reveal something else if you're not obeying what he's already told you to do? And, you know, sometimes that can feel overwhelming. I mean, there are times in your priority time that God, you know, God just kind of opens your eyes to something that that maybe has been a big deal that it's like, okay, this is this is a river that I'm going to cross here and I and, and I can't in one day um, you know, solve this or apply this. You, you might not. I mean, it might be something like, okay, I need to go get some help and I need to have somebody walk me through, uh, you know, some areas of my life that I've been maybe not, I've been avoiding. And you might not be able to solve it in one day. But in terms of your personal application, there's usually one, you can take at least one step. You need a specific next step that's going to help you move, you know, move the chain, move the ball down the field, keep obeying and trust that as you take that first step, then God will show you the second step and the third and the fourth. So Karen, you know, as someone watches the message, listens to the podcast, close this podcast by just giving people uh, some encouragement about the importance of the Priority Time book and how it can be a tool to really help someone go through the book of Philippians in 21 days to kind of build this habit. Well, first of all, the book of Philippians is just phenomenal. And so you're going to be in rich, in, in rich material. But there is just something um, that it's helpful when you're starting anything that's a new tool 
or a slightly nuanced tool, there's obviously different ways and different tools out there that are going to all involve these basic ingredients. Um, I think what is unique about what we were taught and what we present is really keeping it relational, it not remaining just academic. And so um, so even in that, just to break, if you have pre-existing patterns that maybe lean towards reading too much or um, going in, in bigger chunks of material or those kinds of things, this would be a great way to kind of slow you down and kind of have you um, just pause a little bit and sit in these new tools a little bit. If you've never been a, someone who's had a consistent priority time, it's just helpful to be able to like you could take the passage in your Bible and journal and do it. And then you can go back and you can look, okay, well, what did, what questions did they ask in day one? And then read the devotional after that, um, that just kind of summarizes that some truths and that, that really the devotional is your priority time of that passage. And I think the thing that's so beautiful about this and what you need to remember if you're new to this is your questions aren't going to be exactly like my questions aren't like Chris's, like the principles of, of the journalistic questions will be the same, but there might be different questions. That doesn't make them right or wrong. And there's plenty of times that I ask a question and then I look in the passage and the, the passage doesn't answer it okay, I cross it out and I move on to another one. That's fine. But this 21 days gives you the opportunity to just gain that consistency and the nuances of it and the confidence so that by the time you're done with the book of Philippians, you are going to have confidence to go to any other book of the Bible and apply these same principles and hear from the Lord and be encouraged. All right. So I hope that you will um, really take this entire series. Um, there's three parts to it. So um, come back next time for part three. And um, we can't wait to hear what God is doing in your life. If this has been an encouragement to you, we encourage you to share it with a, a friend, um, write a review for us, and um, allow as many people as possible to be encouraged in their own time with the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.